Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. Well, again, welcome. We're glad you're here this morning. I'll tell you about a, uh, an elderly woman who had finished shopping, and she was returning to her car carrying some bags. And, and she got there, and there were four men inside her car. And so she dropped her bags. She pulled a handgun out of her purse, and she yelled, I have a gun. I know how to use it. Get out of the car. And the guys freaked out. These four guys jumped out of the car, and they ran like crazy. And she was really kind of shook up by this. This was not something she'd ever experienced and something she had uh, was, was prepared for us, but she picked up her bags, she got into the car, she pulled out her keys, she put it into the ignition, and it wouldn't go in the ignition. She kept, and then as she's sitting there, she starts looking around, and on the next row over, four cars down, there was an exact identical car. And she got out and walked over, and it was her car. Well, she got into the car, loaded her bags in, and drove to the police station. And she walked into the station and walked up to the desk sergeant and, and told her what she had done. And he fell out laughing. He, he just, he was, he was laughing, and she was just confused. And finally he says, you see those four guys over there at the end of the counter? Well, they just came in and reported that their car was hijacked, carjacked by an elderly woman with thick glasses and white curly hair, less than five feet tall, carrying a big handgun. Fortunately, no charges were filed. But you see, she thought it was her car, and yet in reality, it belonged to someone else. And how often do we think our lives are simply our own when in reality they belong to God? That's really a good picture of this thing called stewardship. Um, now, I know if you've been in church very much through the years, when you hear the word stewardship, you immediately think of money offering, and some of you have this, this reflex action of reaching back and putting your hand over your wallet or grabbing your purse and holding it tight. It's like they, all they want is my money. And finance, money is a part of stewardship. It, it's, it's a part of it, but it's so much more than that. It, it is giving 10% of our income. The Bible calls that the tithe. That's the norm. But it doesn't really capture, when we think of it, that is the, the total thing encompassing stewardship. It doesn't really capture the much bigger biblical picture of what stewardship is. So our key question this morning is, what is God's call on my life? And to answer that question and to kind of get at this biblical belief of stewardship as always, we, we turn to God's Word. We see what it says. And our key verse this morning, which many of you read at the beginning of our service, Psalm 24, beginning in verse 1, says, The earth is the Lord's, and everything in it, the world, and all who live in it, for he founded it and on the seas and established it on the waters. This is really an important verse because it affirms 
that God created everything. As, as Genesis tells us, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And now, I mean, what that means is that at the beginning of time, God already was. Time itself is a creation. And, and so when time began, God already was, and God chose in, to create time and to create everything. That, that prior to that, there was nothing. In fact, prior to that doesn't even have meaning because that implies time. But at, at some point, God chose to speak creation into existence, and it was there. Atomic and subatomic particles light, stars, galaxies, gases, even space and time itself came into being. I mean, anything, everything that you can see, that you can touch, that you can imagine, that you can feel, everything, anything, whether we see it through the Hubble telescope or we look through a microscope, God created it all. And since he created it all, since he he caused it to come into being. They're his. He owns it all, everything. Now, you know, we, we, we might make a claim. Well, I made a duck decoy, you know? And now I didn't actually make that. Just, just want to be clear. But I thought it was really pretty. And I've known people who could do stuff like that. But you say, well, you know, I made a duck decoy. I found the wood. I carved it myself. It's mine. And, you know, our courts would agree with you. But if you really think about it, who made the wood that you carved? Who made the metal that you used to carve the wood? Who made you to use the metal to carve the wood. Who made the atoms that make up you, the metal, and the wood? You know, no matter what we claim we've done, if you back it up, you always come back to God's creation and then that God made it, that he created the universe and makes everything else possible, everything else can exist because God first created. He is the prime mover. He is the first among all. And so our key idea today is that I believe everything I am and everything I own belong to God. I mean, I'm really a renter. I'm here for a time. I own, I own some property. Yes, the bank has a big chunk of it, but I have a house. But here's the thing. When I die, the land's still there. It was there before I got there. It'll be there after I'm gone. If for some reason people abandon that site and, and abandon the ownership, the land is still there. It, it, it has always been God. It always will be God's. And if he decided to pack up his toys and go home, <laughs> there'd be nothing left, including us. See, this belief in stewardship is biblically grounded in this idea that God created everything. And so ultimately, it's all his. 
And so stewardship, this thing we call stewardship from the word steward or manager, it recognizes that God created and owns everything, but it also recognizes that the very first act God did after creating us was to give us the responsibility to steward, or the, the modern word again, to manage his creation. If you look in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it tells us God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created him. So, okay, God has said I, the, the creation of human, human beings has begun. But in the very next verse, it says God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. It's all his. He, 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 he created it all, but he set us, human beings, apart from the rest of creation by creating us in his own image. You look through Genesis, nothing else in creation that was created in the image of God. And those whom he has made his image bearers, he has said to us, and to you I entrust the responsibility of taking care of my creation. And so when we claim, as that elderly woman did, that it's her car, it's either a lack of knowledge and understanding or it's the height of arrogance. And in a very similar way, when you and I claim it's, it's my money, it's my car, it's my house, it's my clothes, it's my life, it's either a lack of knowledge and understanding or the height of arrogance. The biblical belief of stewardship recognizes that everything is God's. And he has graciously entrusted to you and to me, to all people, the care of that which he first made. And so in an effort to be good managers, what do we do? We strive to care Take care of what is his, his way. We strive to do it his way. Because if, if I gave you a very precious picture of mine, and I said, I want you to hold on to it, take care of it for me, and I'll get it from you later, and you took it and you rolled all over it or you tore it up, would anybody think that was taking good care of that which had been trusted to you? And God says the same thing about all that he has created, including our very lives. It includes everything, including our finances, but so much more. Romans 12 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Embodies is a way of, of talking about our whole selves, everything about us, our time, our talent, our treasure, our temple, our testimony, all of those things belong to God. When we offer them back to him who first created them and gave them to us and use them as he decides, then Bible says we are pleasing to him and worshiping him. And I don't know about you, but that's where I want to be. So our application here today is what difference does this then make in how I live? Well, first, 
My time belongs to God. And each of these, I think you'll see, start with, start with a T. Um, my time. Psalm 90 says, teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. I mean, what time we have is a gift from God. He didn't have to create you. He didn't have to create me. He didn't have to create any of us. So to create us at all is a gift. And to give us any time at all is a gift. And so our time is entrusted to us for his purposes. Colossians 3 says, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Why? Because it's his. He entrusted that time to you to use in God-honoring ways. Every moment in our families, in our workplaces, in our schools, those are given to us to be used in ways that honor God. Ultimately, we're not working for people. We're working for God. And how then we use our time is a reflection of that. So, does God get the best of my time? Or does he get the crumbs if anything is left over? You know? Am I giving back to God some of the time he entrusted to me to grow, to strengthen, and to deepen my relationship with him? Am I using some of my time to love him and to love my neighbors by, by worshiping, by serving, by, by reaching out to those in need around me? These are stewardship issues. One pastor wrote, if my time belongs to God, that means that time is sacred. If time is sacred, then that means that wasting time is a sin. How I spend my time matters to God. It is a direct correlation to my love for him and for others. Now, God's not saying every minute of every hour of every day, you have to do everything just for him. He, he created us to enjoy his creation, to, to earn a living, to make a difference. But in the midst of those things, we do them recognizing that it's a gift and we use for his glory. Next, my talent belongs to God. And, and Peter wrote, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards, there's that management term, as good stewards of God's varied grace. Our spiritual gifts, our talents, our, our abilities, all those things are gifts from God given to you and me by him. And it's certainly, again, fine to enjoy them, fine to make use of them, fine to appreciate them, but to also remember that he gave them to us to serve one another. When we claim it for ourselves, we're, we're claiming something that God has given us only by his grace. He didn't have to. He chose to. Do you have musical talents? Are you good in math? Do, do you, do you, are you able to build things with your hands? Are you good at organizing? 
Are you good with people or with, or with young children? God gave us those gifts to use that can be used to serve his kingdom. And we're being poor stewards when we waste these precious gifts he's given to us. How can you use your talents then to serve inside the walls of your church and beyond the walls? To serve throughout your day, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. I mean, we always need people to volunteer their time and talents for the sake of kingdom work around here. We've got Easter coming up in two weeks. There are opportunities for many of you to sign up and make a difference out in our Next Steps area. And we always, always need volunteers serving with our children. And maybe God has given that as as a gift to you. That's something you can do. If you want to explore that, you can go to our Next Step area right after this service and talk to someone. Or on the Find It page, of our website, there's a servanthood application, and you can begin the process that way. The next T is my treasure belongs to God. And, and, and this is where a lot of people struggle. This is what we kind of automatically think. We think, I've earned it, it's mine, I worked hard for it, why should I do anything else with it? But even the ability to work is a gift from God, much less the setting in which we are able to work. He created it all, and this this struggle gets really hard because in our day and time, money can so easily become our God with a little g, the thing that we trust most in life, the thing that that I turn to first when I'm facing adversity or I'm having a struggle. I I, I think about my money and what I can do with it. You know, we, we may believe that money is the answer. We may believe we're trusting it for good reasons. And and it is good to use it to provide for our family, to take care of our bills, to be able to retire someday. And we should respect money and its rightful place in our lives. But remember what God said in the very first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me in my place instead of me. And a God is whatever we turn to first and whatever we give up last in life because our identity, our worth, our, our means are connected to it. And so we, we trust it and we think of it first when we get into a problem and we turn to it and we, we can't give it up because it's what gets us through. But Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Whatever we, we treasure is what's going to have our heart. And if we treasure our money, our finances, then it will have our heart instead of God. And so God had to teach human beings after the fall, after sin entered the world, to teach us to put him first, especially when we're facing fears of of not having enough, of, of being able to get by, of getting what we want. In Deuteronomy 14, it says, the purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. And notice what it says, the purpose of tithing. The purpose of tithing is to make us miserable. That's what some of you think. The purpose of tithing is to make us poor. The purpose of tithing is to spoil our fun. No, it says the purpose of tithing is to teach you always, always 
to put God first, to do exactly what the first commandment says. I can never give away my God. And so if money isn't my God, then I can give it away. I'm not dependent on it for my life. I'm not dependent on it for my identity. I'm not dependent on it to find joy in this life. But even though God gave us all the resources we have, all the ways we have to make money, he doesn't ask for all of it back. He said, I gave it all to you. I mean, I'd be within my right to say, give it all back. But instead, he says, you only have to give 10% back, a tithe. God gives us 100%, and he lets us keep the 90 now, that's a pretty good deal. If somebody walked up to you and said, I'll give you a thousand bucks if you'll just give me a hundred back later. I mean, would, would any of us say, no, I'm not taking that deal. There's something wrong with that. No way. If I can't have all of it, I don't want any of it. Is that what we do? That's why stewardship, the, the, the principle of stewardship is so important to understand what's really happening. But, but let's be clear about this too. God doesn't need your money. He doesn't need my money. He doesn't need anybody's money. He doesn't need Bill Gates' money for that matter. But he does want what it represents. That's my heart. Because Jesus said, that's where my treasure is. He wants my heart. You know, it seems like the most sensitive nerve in the whole body is the one that goes from, from your heart to your wallet. You know, it's where we get the most, often some of us get the most hung up. And yet God wants our heart because he wants what's best for us. And he knows this is the best way for us to live. Not that money is wrong. It's the love of money that is the root of all evil. Not that money is bad, but when we put it first, when we make it our God, it messes us up. We weren't created that way. We were created to put him first in our lives. It's how life works. God's the owner. I'm the manager. I'm the, the steward. And it's amazing that he would entrust anything to me or you or to any of us but he has. He has entrusted everything in this creation to us. And my job is just to be obedient and allow him to dictate how it's to be used. I don't have to figure it all out. And that takes a lot of stress out of the picture. The Bible says in Corinthians, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Give cheerfully. We tell, we always say, if, if you're new or you don't feel led, don't give. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you right now, if, you, if a few minutes ago you gave an offering and you were upset that you gave, but you only did it out of guilt or obligation, talk to us. We'll give it back. 
Because what the Bible says is you and I are to give cheerfully. And, and that's, a, that's a, maybe a big work that some of us need to have God help us do in our hearts. But, it cha- but when we change our perspective from it's mine to it's his, and he's allowing me to keep 90% of it, and he wants me to keep him number one in my life, maybe that gives us a different way to look at this. We have to decide and do it for the right reasons. And God understands, he knows how strong sin is. He knows how hard it is. And and so he says in Malachi chapter three, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there'll be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it, put me to the test. Now, some of you know this, but some of you may not realize that throughout the whole Bible, God is saying in various places, don't test me, except here. This is the only place in this whole book, from Genesis to Revelation, where God says, it's okay to test me. And, and we, we think he tells us this because this is the area where so many human beings struggle in sin, that we put our finances in place of God. So here at Gateway, we encourage you to give only if you can give cheerfully because we don't want to lead you into that part of sin. At the same time, we also give you the opportunity to test God, to see what, if he, what he says is true. We'll help you do that. For years now, we have offered, it's on our webpage, and we bring it up and mention it from time to time, what we call the 90-day tithing challenge. And, and you can find it on, on the Find It page uh, of our website. And here's what it is. You go, you go to the link, click on the link, and, and they'll give you some instructions about how you can let us know you're doing this, that you're going to test tithing, that you're going to give. And a tithe, the word tithe doesn't mean give anything. Tithe means 10. It's 10% of your income. And if you don't feel after 90 days like God has blessed you, if you don't feel like this is the right thing I need to be doing, we'll give you all your money back. No questions asked. You just need to tell us if you have let us know up front that you're doing that. Tell us and we'll give it all back. Now, let me, let me be clear. When the Bible says blessing, some people interpret blessing as I give money to get money. That's not what blessing means. Now, some folks who love to preach what they call the prosperity gospel, you know, you give this money and God is going to shower you with more money somehow at some point. That's not what the Bible says. It's not to say it never happens, but what it's saying is that this idea of blessing is so much more. And it may never include more finances, but it may include joy. It may include a sense of contentment, that I'm okay, I have just enough, just as I am. I don't have to always be looking for something more to feel good about myself because every time I buy it, about two weeks later, I start wondering when I'm going to keep feeling good because somehow, I mean, I I go back to Jim Carrey. He, he, He always said, I wish everybody could be rich so they could discover it's not the answer. 
Most of us aren't rich. And we always think if I just had a little bit more. And what God is trying to say is, if you will trust me and be content in what I provide, you don't have to worry about having more. You will have all that you need. And what's more, you will have heaven waiting for you, which is more than you can imagine. Those are the kinds of blessings God is talking about. The blessing of salvation. We can't earn it. We can't get there on our own. But he offers us if we will trust him. Next, next he is my temple or my body belongs to God. God created us and, and the Christ follower recognizes that that means there's implications for this physical body. 1 Corinthians 6 says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. The Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit comes to live in every follower of Jesus Christ. So our bodies are holy temples of God's Spirit living here on earth. They are not just flesh and blood. So when we abuse our bodies, when we fail to care for them as best we can, we fail to be good stewards of that which God has entrusted to us, our bodies. Caring for our bodies, for our health, is a stewardship issue, first and foremost, because God has things for you to do, and if you're not taking care of your body, you can't do that. And yes, we live in a world ravaged with sin, and we live in a, a, a world in which our bodies will never do all we want them to do. Thankfully, this life is not the whole answer. But for whatever we do have, God says, I have entrusted that to you to, for you to make the most of it, to use it, not to abuse it. And so exercise and healthy eating, avoiding sexual immorality, getting appropriate medical care, these are all ways we care for the body entrusted to us by God so that it is ready when he calls upon us to serve in whatever way he calls, knowing what we're capable of, that he is able to do. And then finally, the last T is my testimony belongs to God. Everything we have, including our health, our life, our freedom, our family, our abilities, are gifts from God. And that includes our salvation. We did not save ourselves. That is clearly a gift. And for those of you who are followers of Jesus Christ, God has saved you from sin and death. You didn't do that yourselves. You couldn't cause it on your own. You and I were saved, and we are saved for the sake of others. We are never saved just for ourselves. We're never saved so that we can just rock back and hunker down, and it's all about me. That consumer mindset is one of the most destructive mindsets that any of us can have. We were created by God for the sake of the world, for the sake of others, and you have a testimony of what God has done in your life to bring you to salvation, to get you through uh, hurdles in your life, to help you overcome issues that you've struggled with, to give you a peace that passes all understanding. No matter what it is, you have, you have at least a story, and, and I know you have lots of stories, and only you can tell it. 
And there's someone who will be impacted by your, you as salt and light. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. He, he, he tells you and me, we weren't given what we have to hide or for it to lose its value and purpose. We were given it whatever we have today. Your life may not be perfect today. In fact, I guarantee it's not. But today, right where you are, God has enabled you to be light and salt. Because there's somebody else who's struggled with the same things, and you can put light on that. There's someone else who's trying to find flavor in life, and you are doing that. And so the Bible says in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I mean, wherever you are right now, whatever your experiences have been have gotten you up to this very point, whatever has happened to you, whatever you've done to others, the reality is you're right where you need to be. You already have a circle of influence of people around you that need you to be a follower of Jesus Christ, who need you to be a good steward of your testimony, of your life, of your experiences, to go and make disciples. If we're faithful and obedient stewards or, or managers, we will pray, God, show me. Show me how I can be of service to you. Show me how I can make a difference in somebody else's life. Show me how I can, I can live beyond myself at work today, in my family this evening, at the ball field on Saturday, at the dance studio on Tuesday night. Show me how I can be a good steward of all that you have entrusted to me for the sake of the world. Easter is an incredible opportunity to invite folks because people are open to coming to church on Easter. It's why we create cards so that you have something you can give, something that has the, the information on it. We've also put on our Facebook page something like that that you can, you can push out to others. You can... Uh, uh, put out there so that you can help people see, know, you can be salt and light. But here's the thing, your greatest opportunity is not in some event, it's in, it's in the day-to-day. -day. It's where your relationships are lived out in the real world where you can be salt and light, where you can pray for others, where you can watch for opportunities, where God opens a door for you to, to share your story, to be a steward of the life he's entrusted to you for the sake of the kingdom of God. You know, you, you may, I won't say may, you have been tested one way or another in life. All of us have. But listen, God turns our tests into testimonies. God takes what has happened to us and shows us that this is not the end of the story. Whether you've got another day or another hundred days or 50 years or 80 years ahead of you, it's a drop in the bucket 
to eternity. That's the prize, if you will. And that's what we will look at next week. Eternity is the last week in this, in this series. But in the meantime, whether you've been dealt a good hand or not so good, whether sin has ravaged your life or you have been blessed more than most, right where you are, God is ready and willing to take your test and use it as a testimony in the life of another. Stewardship shows us that our beliefs really do matter. They have consequences. If we truly believe that God created all that there is, including us, including me, then the way I live needs to reflect that. Paul wrote, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You and I have been saved to be living sacrifices, as Romans 12:1 says, to manage all that God has entrusted to us for the sake of his creation and the people he created. So, do I trust him? Do I believe that? Do I believe he is the creator? Do I believe he created me? Do I believe he created me for a purpose? Do I believe he can take whatever has happened in my life and turn that test into a testimony? Do I believe that my time, talent, treasure, temple, and testimony are things that I can steward for the sake of the kingdom that I can manage? Or do I claim they're mine? Mine, all mine. Nobody else, they're mine. And yet one day, discover that I will stand before the owner, before the judge, and I will have to answer for that choice. It's a choice each of us has to make. But in your bulletin, there was an insert, our sermon notes, and on the back side of it, there's a place for you. If it helps, you kind of mark something in the sand. It says, I blank, acknowledge God owns everything I have. It's his. It's not mine. So from this day forward, I will take on the role of manager of all God has given me. Maybe if this is something you need in order to kind of lock it down, to make it concrete for you, fill that out. Write it down. Put it on your mirror. Put it in your wallet. Keep it with you. Put it in your car. And allow yourself to see yourself as one that God has, has entrusted you with so much for the sake of others. He's entrusted you with the good news of Easter to tell others who are literally dying, who may not have that eternity apart from coming to know Jesus as Savior. And we will share the gospel, the good news, on Easter. It may be an opportunity for you to, to serve, to use your gifts and talents in that way. Don't forget we have our Believe celebration next week, and, and a part of that's going to be baptisms. And maybe that's something you need to do, is to, to lock down who is your Savior, who is your Lord, and be baptized. We'll be serving 
communion in here in just a moment. If you have children, we invite you to please go pick them up and then come back. It's just going to be in a, just like three or four minutes after the service ends. It's going to be right here. We're going to do that because we're going to remember who it is that we trust, what it is he did for us. Because when we remember those things, it becomes easier to manage all that is entrusted to us. And our prayer team will also be here on the further edges uh, here right after the service if you need to talk with them, have them pray over you. And I'll be out in the lobby. Uh, if you're new, would love to say hello to you afterwards. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you for creating because, because apart from that, we, there would be no existence, no joy, no, no children to in, in, enjoy, no spouse to love, no uh, parts of your creation that just thrill us and excite us. You, you have created it all, and you, have in, you, you tell us in Scripture that you've entrusted its care to us human beings. We admit that sin in our lives has caused us to grasp and hold on to things and try to find our value and worth in them rather than in you, to trust them for our, our existence and our eternity rather than you. Father, help us to realize that as the, the creator, as the one who made it all, everything is yours, including us our very lives. May we be living sacrifices for you. May we be diligent to seek out your will as to what you want us to do with that which you have entrusted to us, with our time, with our talent, with our treasure, with our temple, with our testimony, so that we may be a blessing to you, to the world, and experience your blessings for eternity. We thank you for this privilege. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You are his special creations. Go take advantage of that in our world today. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.